It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 4th of March. An incredible night against the Milwaukee Bucks. Donovan goes to new levels and continues to amaze. The faves reminds us why he's exactly that. Plus, the playoff picture is just nuts, and the Pelicans have a point to prove. They're in town. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. It is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give me insight, expertise, a lot of geeky numbers. You can get this podcast every day by just getting in your car, telling your smart device, that's your Siri or your Google or whatever, Play podcast Locked on Jazz. You also can get it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. How are you? Well, that was insane. Saturday night was just absolutely insane. And we'll break it down, look at it, uh, talk a lot about it. Then, if we have time, we will get to the playoff picture update. Usually we do that first, but not after that game Saturday. And then we'll look at the Pelicans a little bit, who we have coming in town. We play uh, both Monday and Wednesday this week, which is unique and difficult to try to get wins on in both circumstances. Today's show is brought to you by Slow the Flow, Iron Gate Global Financial, and Murdoch Chevy. All right, so, I mean, that's just an, it, 403 times prior to that night, a team had been down 17 points in the fourth quarter. And they'd only won three. Three and 400. We were dead. Win probability was at 2%. And just as this team does, they methodically stuck together, worked through it, and got back in the game. And got back in the game really quickly. Really, really quickly. Um, and that was the game that night. The Bucks starting lineup, which wasn't really their starting lineup, missing two guys, came back at our guys, opened the night on a 14-0 run up 20-6 or 11-0 run up 20-6. Then their guys came back. Uh, then, then our guys did our thing. We came back, got back in the ball game, and they ended up uh, going on a, you know, we took a lead of, I think, 13 the second quarter. Then they did the exact same thing uh, to open up that third quarter and went on another you know, good-sized run. Uh, that one was, sorry, I pulled out my notes, 17-4. to Then they went on a 17-2 to run. Then we answered with a 19-2 to run. So it was really kind of the way the night worked. It very much was dictated by who was on the floor for the box. They were shorthanded. They were missing five guards. So we did not see what I think is the likely NBA champion, one of the historically great teams statistically of all time, uh, with the MVP at full strength. Uh, That's only relevant if you're trying to prove that the Utah Jazz are NBA Finals caliber team. That's which I don't think we are, nor do I think anyone thought we were when this season started. What is relevant is the resiliency, the collectiveness, and the fortitude to come back in a game like that. I mean, when you start to put together the Denver win on Thursday 
and the likelihood of that happening. And frankly, Quinn dropped some note to me that I don't haven't been able to research, but there's some ridiculous number on what your wind rate is on the back end of a double overtime game. So three of our last four games have really just been this group completely defying the odds. And what that is is a collective juice uh, that's taking place amongst the team. I'm not sure. I don't know what Quinn's exact number was on that, but it's it was. I don't think anyone else this year has won a game coming off a double overtime. And then you have Denver's only lost four times all year at home, plus teams that are on a rest disadvantage on the are winning only about twenty eight percent of their road games. Then you have Milwaukee's forty four and one going to the fourth, and three and four hundred. Three and four hundred went down seventeen. And this is largely predicated by Donovan. People were wrongly concerned about Donovan when the year started. He wasn't great, but that's part of this whole process. And now what Donovan is doing is putting himself into rarefied air. Donovan is averaging twenty three points. Four rebounds, four assists. Since 1979, the only two guards have done that in their second year are Vince Carter. And now, of course, I'm the one who came up with the statistic, and I'm now spacing who the other one was. I've only tweeted it 100 times, so I didn't write it down, and my brain is just completely failing me. Dwayne Wade. Okay, it didn't fail me completely. Dwayne Wade and Vince Carter. That is, you know, prior to that, Walter Davis, David Ping, every single one of them is in the Hall of Fame. The kid is just really, really special. And what's getting interesting also is that some of his clutch time numbers are getting a little better. If you look around the league in the clutch, what we're asking out of Donovan, he's taken the 12th most amount of clutch shots of anyone in the league. There aren't, I mean, if you take the amount of, there's 34 guys in the league that have taken 50 shot attempts in the clutch. Final five minutes of a game within five. Donovan, by no ways, is the best in the league or anything of that. But at one point this year, he was actually one of the least good, which is not surprising. Right? Like, that's not surprising. Now, you start to look at him in a little bit of a different light in the sense that he's executing, making 36% of his shots, 32% from three. That's what Kemba is. Kemba's 38-32. Harden is 40-27. He's just gone to the line 78 times. Mike Conley's 42-24. Paul George is 40%, 28% in the clutch. Dame Lillard is 36-30. Donovan's 36-32. 
Donovan's clutch numbers are a notch better than Damian Lillard's. Russell Westbrook is terrible. 29 and 14. First number is field goal percentage, second number is three-point shooting. So, ironically enough, by the way, the, the number one clutch player in the NBA this year is D'Angelo Russell. I don't know why that's ironic. He just wasn't that. Nikolai, uh, Nikola Jokic is pretty good, too. 48-46. Russell, uh, D'Angelo Russell is 50-41. And Luka Doncic is 51-36. We'll see if that lasts. I mean, these are small sample sizes. But Buddy Heald's 50-48. Excuse me, Bradley Beal is 50-48, one of the best also. But Donovan now has the 12th most shot attempts in the clutch of anyone in the league. We don't have a second score, and he's actually answering the bell in his second year. There aren't, Devin Booker's the only other young player in here. De'Aaron Fox is really having a great year. He's in this group. Those are the guys. But what we're asking out of Donovan's incredible. And he was every bit that great the other night. Every bit that great. I mean, I lost my mind. My call was terrible. Because I couldn't believe what he had just done. Which maybe, you know, for you as a basketball fan, if you're a jazz fan, maybe you liked it because that was actually where you were. Just running around screaming, going crazy, which is exactly what I was doing. Except for I had a headset on with a cord and I couldn't go anywhere. But, I mean, it was absurd. 46 points, 15 of 32, 11 of 14 for the line, 6 assists. And there's a coaching element to what the Jazz did. We'll talk about that. It also led to the Ingles layup late. Talk about the Jazz offense. I don't know where we're going to get to everything today. We'll get to all these things. I mean, this, there's a lot to that win. We'll dig into a little bit of the X's and O's and the deeper stuff here uh, in a second. Uh, let me first start off, a guy who probably understands how great that win is, former Utah State basketball player, uh, Spencer Nelson. He's had an interesting career path he, after uh, playing at Utah State, playing in Europe, then went and uh, got a bunch of schooling and is now in the financial advisor group of uh, Iron Gate Global Advisors. And let's let him have, uh, tell us a little bit more about this really interesting group in Salt Lake City. I want to tell you about Iron Gate Global Advisors, a financial group out of Salt Lake City, small shop that understands your journey, aren't pushing products on you, and have a strategy, direction, and process. I found out about them from Spencer Nelson, former Utah State great, who, by the way, has an MBA, accounting and finance background degrees, and worked Wall Street in private equity. And he tells me about the personnel. Brian is the chief investment officer. Brian's a long-term investor, Warren Buffett disciple with a proven track record of active management. He views investing as not trading stocks, but buying pieces of businesses that he believes in. He's focused on not getting caught up in what's hot today or tomorrow, but doing the research, looking one, three, five, even 10 years out with a very patient, methodical approach couple that with brett and his longtime options background and you have a versatile group it's iron gate global advisors to find out more about iron gate financial give spencer a call 888-591-0334 that's 888-591-0334 or email him at spencer at igga.com anytime we're talking investing 
understand that past performance isn't indicative of future results. Also, options may not be for everyone. They have different risks. Make sure you consult a professional before doing anything with them. Do your due diligence. Today's show is also brought to you by Slow the Flow. I love it. People are emailing me their Slow the Flow um, suggestions. So let's get to the Slow the Flow suggestions out there and hear what everybody else has to say. Uh, Michael Patterson, when I brush my teeth, I have a terrible habit of letting the sink run. Now I'm not a complete idiot. I wet my toothbrush and then this turn the sink off and brush my teeth. But when I feel like I'm almost done, I turn the sink back on and I usually feel compelled to do an extra 15 or 20 seconds of cleaning before I finish off. Well, now I hear the word slow the flow. Instead, I turn the sink back on. I try to walk away from the sink into my closet so I don't waste that quarter gallon of water when I turn the sink. Right? I mean, this is it. If all of us collectively can do stuff. Thank you to Michael Patterson for his work slowing the flow. Jacob Morgan sent an interesting thing about a product by Rainbird. I don't mean to turn an ad for them, but I thought it was really interesting that measures your soil moisture. Please send us and let us know what your slow the flow is as well as we try to help Utah a little bit. Slowtheflow.org. Really, I, I love their, first of all, I admire this group and the ad company that um, does their stuff because they really do it well, right? Like I think you guys have all heard, um, you know, the various things and, and how well done uh, they all are and creative they all are. And it's kind of cool to, to hear them out there. So slowtheflow.org, save H2O. All right, so we brought this up on the radio broadcast. It's where I do think we're unique and worth listening to because I don't think anyone else does these geeky things. And those of you who listen to this podcast probably appreciate it. And those, a lot of people out there don't. But the Bucks switched the fewest picks of any team in the NBA. So we talked about this on the broadcast. Houston uh, switches the most. The Bucks switched the least. They only switch about 200 picks all season. What's particularly interesting about the Bucks is they don't switch guard-to-guard picks. Most teams, if it's a guard-to-guard, a Rubio Mitchell, an Ingles Mitchell, they'll just switch one through three. The Bucks don't even do that. So a lot of what you saw the Jazz getting action on last night or against the Bucks, was guard-to-guard picks. This is where Quinn Snyder and his staff are just exceptional. And Joe Ingles had a huge layup in that game late. If you actually go back to our radio call, we I say on the call, Ingles brings the ball up the floor. They don't switch guard-to-guard picks. Let's see what happens. And Joe goes to the basket for the layup. That's as big a... It's a 106, uh, 103, 107 left. Joe puts us up 108, 103. And then Adetokounmpo goes down and scores the other way. Um, really, that play, and, and that play is as important as many of the others. That's just coaching, preparation, late game, when we have a chance, here's our play call, and going to it, giving Donovan a possession off and getting a layup. And having it be something other than the Donovan ISO. Now, Donovan just does crazy stuff too, right? 129 left, he hits a 26-footer. And then 43.7 seconds left, he hits a 28-footer that was just absurd. And that's the one where I lost my mind. The kid's just got a gumption and a guts level that's, that's unequaled. But that was that preparation, 
those little plays, those things the Jazz do, those are what really matter. You know, the shot selection against the Clippers and the Nuggets, the game preparation against the Bucks. These, these are the items that really matter. Another interesting one that happened last night, I don't think we can play Kyle Cover 35 minutes every night, but in that matchup, because they did not have Bledsoe or Brogdon, we were able to close with Kyle Korver instead of Ricky Rubio. Um, Korver was plus 30 that night in 35 minutes of work. There, there, something to it. Um, you know, Kyle Korver brings a floor spacing and a level that's different. You know, what's interesting is if you look at Detroit, Detroit is suddenly playing a lot better Wayne Ellington is the Eastern Conference version of, and they traded Reggie Bullock, who I really like, for Wayne Ellington. But Wayne Ellington moves and can shoot in a manner that forces teams to do things defensively. And I think the same thing is true, you know, for Kyle. You know, our offense actually has not been dramatically better with Kyle on the floor, but it does feel as though um, he does something there. Uh, the other one that's really interesting that's going on is what's suddenly happened with the Jazz offense. Quinn's, you know, Quinn's, I think, the smartest coach in the league. So, you know, I'm certainly biased. Um, and I have incredible access, and I see it work all the time. So it's, you know, it's reconfirming um, to me exactly what I believe already. Um, but one of the things that Quinn does is these subtle little changes on how the team runs things, whether it's where players are on the floor or how we do this or how we do that as the year goes on, as he gets to understand his talent better and as he understands who his team's going to be. There's some of that going on with Favors right now, though Favors was just amazing, and I don't want to over skip that for one second. But the offense has gotten a good deal better. In the last 15 games, the offense now ranks 10th in the NBA. And, you know, you the first thing you look at is, okay, is there any crazy outlier going on in that stretch. So if we're suddenly 10th offensively in the in the last 15 games, are we doing anything weird? Well, we are shooting 46% from the field and 36% from three. So to some extent, my answer to that is no. <laughs> right? There's We're going to free throw line 28 times a game, which is probably number one or two in the league. But for the season we're not really that far off that either, right? We're the number four free throw shooting team in most often in the league. So what has changed is something that Quinn basically came, this is where he's just great, where Quinn came out of the break and told us was going to change. You know, what did you work on during the break? Well, we came out in their first practice. They started to try to really improve running after misses. So if you look at cleaningtheglass.com, the Jazz offensive transition off of opponent, off of defensive rebounds is 29th in the NBA. 29th. Let's go take it since, well, All-Star breaks a very short sample size. So let's take February 1st, okay? or I somehow just got January 29th. It doesn't matter. The point is still... Um, so now let's look at it since January 29th. Um, the Utah Jazz, since January 29th, are the second best team 
or actually are the number one team in the league in points per play off a live rebound. Like, that's coaching and focus. There's been a lot of discussions about a lot of things with this team. To me, this has been the item all year long. Since January 27th, 20, whatever random filter we just grabbed, January 29th, is there any reason why that's just not a good sample size? I mean, it just has the Portland. It's only one more game. The Jazz are the number one team in transition in the NBA, and they're the number one team off live rebounds. They were 29th. That's what's changed. The half-court offense has been fairly good all season long. It's actually not as good recently. It's 24th in the league. Funny how that works. But that's been a huge game-changer is that focus and the fact that when Quinn puts his mind to something, he fixes it because he's just incredible. And these, there's, I talk about it all the time, the synergy between the staff working on something, the players executing it, it working, the staff working harder because the players did it, the players working harder because the staff gave them something that worked. These players only care about one thing, and that's getting better. That's why I don't buy anything about whether a coach is European, American, former player, non-former player, woman, man, minority, non-minority. Players don't care. They want to get better. If you can't make them better, they know it, and they'll check you out. And if you can make them better, they know it, and they'll buy in. Promise. That's the truth. All right. Uh, Playoff update because it's nuts. And a quick check on the Pelicans on a busy, 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 but awesome Locked On Jazz uh, today. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. They're located in Woods Cross and in Linden. The Murdoch family has been in Utah for over 90 years. That's right. We did that funny little stupid ad about Blake and Tyler both being, and Tyson both being uh, 90 years old. Okay, the point was that the Murdoch family has been around for that long and done that many amazing things in our community. They're a family-run business, and they want to make sure you feel like you've been touched by the Murdochs when you stop by. If you're looking for a Chevy truck, there, or you're looking for a truck, Chevy's got the best line. The Silverado HD, the Allison transmission, driven it, wild, incredible, wouldn't mind driving it again, <clears throat> wouldn't. Oh, sorry, that was my own personal thing. Uh, the Chevy truck line has all three truck segments, the heavy-duty Silverado, the light-duty half-ton Silverado, and the mid-size Colorado, plus the Colorado diesel, which I also drove, which was super fun. Uh, unibody frame is safer. Chevy runs deep. Bread and butter of Americana, of Utah culture, 91 years. Great lineup of trucks, SUVs, Suburbans, the Tahoe, the Equinox, the Traverse, third-row seating, and the tracks. I'll check it out. Murdoch Chevy. Located in Woods Cross, also up in Logan. Stop by, tell Tyson, I say, tell Tyson, I haven't seen my game in a while. I want to see Tyson. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep, just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. 
But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Uh. It is, my phone just started talking to me for no particular reason. Sorry about that, Tyson. Uh, maybe it just tried to call Tyson. That's going to be really awkward if Tyson's on the line right now while I called him and he's hearing the end of Locked on Jazz tape, podcast being taped. All right, let's go to the crazy playoff picture. Here's what happened over the weekend. Uh, Denver lost to the Pelicans in an 84% win probability. They are so far ahead, it doesn't really impact things. The Thunder lost a 56% win probability of the Spurs, and then just about lost to the Grizzlies last night, came back at the very end. The Blazers' Rodney Hood went bananas against Charlotte, which he did for us as well, and got them a win. The Blazers just opened the second half of the season on a six-game road trip, went 5-1, and one, won games with win probabilities at 57, 26, 33, and 51. Pretty awesome. The Rockets have won five in a row. They are 19-9 and nine when they have their three guys together. As good as we've been, so have these guys. They've won five in a row. They have wins with a 20% win probability, and the Celtic win last night was a 37 win probability. Utah gets a 64 win probability against the Bucks and a 25 against the Nuggets. San Antonio had a 44% win probability against the Thunder and won it. San Antonio's really solidifying themselves, as are the Clippers, who had a huge win over the Kings. Kings really had to get that game. Remember we talked about at the beginning, the Kings had 17 games with a win probability below 40%. They're one in three in those games. They had to just, they really had to get a second one in this stretch where they had the Warriors at 7%, the Thunder at 14, the Timberwolves at 24, the Bucks at 24, and the Clippers at 56. They beat the Thunder, they went to overtime with the Bucks, and they just couldn't get it done against Clippers. And then the Lakers are just a S show right now. They lost a 67-win probability game and a 41 uh, to the Bucks. Here's the way, just for interest, on the certain wins, which are supposed to be 80 to 100, their teams are 7-2. and two. Denver and Oklahoma City has lost one. On the should win, 60 to 80, teams are 9-6. and six. De- The noticeable one is Oklahoma City is 1-2. and two. On the pickums that are 40 to 60, teams are 6-5. and five. The noticeable one is the Lakers are 0-3. Clippers are 2 and 0. That's going to be the difference in that race. Portland's 2 and 0. Unlikely's 20 to 40% win probability. Teams are 4 and 5. This is exactly kind of how we expect it to play out. Uh, noticeable one, the Kings are 0 and 2 and they got to get wins there. Portland's 2 and 1. And the no chancers which are 20 to 0 to 20%. Teams are 2 and 4. Tip of the hat to Sacramento for getting one and Houston got one the other night. So where does that leave us? Well, let's look at the win probability models. It's pretty crazy. ESPN's BPI playoff odds has Warriors 1, Denver 2, Portland 3 at 51, Utah and Houston tied at 50 for 4-5, and Oklahoma City dropping to 6. 
Now, I know Paul George has been hurt, but this is this whole conversation about scheduling where the narrative about Oklahoma City has just been solely based on how soft their schedule's been. Uh, Clippers and San Antonio tied at 46-46. I mean, th- let's not kid ourselves. The difference right now between being playing Houston, like that's the worst case scenario. You play Houston, if you win, you play the Warriors. If you can be three, you play either Portland, three or six, you either play Portland or OKC, and then Denver or San Antonio in the second round. According to basketballreference.com, Warriors one, Denver two, Portland three, Utah four, Oklahoma City five, Houston six. Clippers and Spurs with the Lakers 11th. And then the 538 projection is the same is the next one. And that one has Warriors one, Bucks uh, Nuggets two. Blazers, Thunder, Jazz, Rockets, all tied at 51 wins. How insane is that? All tied at 51 wins. This is going to be a nutty final 20 games of the NBA season. Or less to whatever we have. I mean, that is, that makes things a little interesting, doesn't it? So it'll be curious to see what determines it. Portland deserves all the credit right now for the way they've played. Houston's just good, and Oklahoma City might not be. Now, they gotta get, They don't have Paul George right now. But the West is loaded. Getting out of the first round is going to be just a bore. Just an absolute bore. You know, if you can get three, you still got to play. If you get three, you still got to play the Rockets or the Thunder. Get six, you get the Blazers. I don't want that. I mean, this is it's just nuts. Pelicans come in. They've had 10 games since all the trade stuff ended. They're 5-5. Five and five. They're better defensively than they have been. Their offense is a little less good. Their differential is a little less good. But they're 5-5. Five and five. They're not 5. They're 29-36 they're and 36 for the season. They're five games below 500. They've been better since all the shenanigans ended. Julius Randle is averaging 23.7 rebounds and three assists. And Holiday is averaging 22.5 and seven. So they're coming at you. They're playing with high pace. They've got a lot of different guys. This one's not easy. They've beaten Oklahoma City and Denver recently. Our greatest thing is they just beat Oak Denver. And so, you know, maybe they look at their road trip as though they notched one off and they get ready to go home for Mardi Gras. All right. Before we end the show, I wanted to finish it with last and is Derek. He was just remarkable last night. Something interesting to me has happened with Derek is when the trade deadline went by, it's as though he clicked. I mean, he says he doesn't listen to any of the noise and all that. I get it. That's not actually human. Um, but something happened with, to me, he's been defensively particularly a huge force since the trade deadline went by. His offensive numbers never really tell the story, but his his games are telling the story. He's, he's I mean, since the trade deadline, he's averaging 15 points and 11 rebounds, so that tells you a little something. Um, he's shooting 59% from the field in 26 minutes. few thoughts. One is maybe Derek's body, with all of his little leg problems, is better off playing 26 minutes a night. 
right? Maybe there's something that Derek isn't best off playing 32 minutes all the time. Against Oklahoma City, he played 32. Against Dallas, he came back and had kind of just an okay game. He was, I mean, he was good. Defensively, I feel like he's just been really active. He's blocking two shots a game. He had three the other night. He had three against the Clippers. He had two against Dallas. He had three against OKC. He had four against Golden State. To me, there's just an, a level of bounce and energy and con- connection to Derek. Derek's strength, frankly, over his career has not always been, you know, high-level performance night in and night out. It's been brilliance. But there's been a level of consistency to him that was capped off with one of the great games you'll see out of him. 23 points, 18 rebounds, 10 of 12. I mean, that might have been the best game of Derek's career. Having to deal with Giannis. I mean, it's really cool. But that truly might have been the best game of Derek Favors' career on March 2nd, 2019, after all he's been through. 27 years old still. And just an athletic marvel who was the dominating force in that game and played connected and intelligent, uh, smart fouls on Giannis late, was just absolutely marvelous. So I thought we should close the show talking about Derek. Have a great one. That is Locked on Jazz. Locked on NBA on Mondays is Josh Lloyd with the biggest stories for the local experts. You can tell your smart device now to simply... Play podcast, Locked on NBA. Plus, the Pelican show is great with Jake Madison. And the Celtics guys are pretty darn interesting right now with all that's going on with them as well. A lot of great shows along the Locked on Podcast Network with exciting expansion coming as spring training rolls around as well. It is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.